0: Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio.
1: Living in the city of Los Angeles is pretty freaking amazing, but it can also be a scary place, especially in downtown Los Angeles with the recent surge in the homeless crisis. Many of the homeless that live in downtown have mental illness, many are perfectly fine and some can even be violent, but that doesn't mean that we have to walk around in fear. All we have to do is be aware of our surroundings and put down our phones and look where we're going. Today's guest is Beverly Baker, she's a creator of the Metropolitan Finishing School where she teaches Asphalt Anthropology. She's developed and taught personal safety courses for residents of L.A., Skid Row, LAPD's Community Police Academy, corporate clients, women's shelters, colleges, universities, public school districts, and the general public for the last 20 years. This is an episode you won't want to miss because you're going to gain your street smarts. Stay tuned. And welcome to Nurses and Hypochondriacs, Beverly Baker. Hi, thank you. Well, I'm so excited to have you on this show. I loved the LA Times article that came out about a week ago about your program Asphalt Anthropology. I I think it's fascinating. It's something that I practice all the time intuitively. I've had several things happen to me and I'm always aware of my surroundings. I try to be. I have to work in places like South Central, East LA, um, and I've had to work there like Almost 20 years ago as well when it was not so safe so I had to learn a lot of basic skills about my surroundings um, Perfect. yeah and, and it's so funny because people make fun of me all the time when I've worked in South Central my staff knows my routine that I go and take a walk every day and they're like I can't believe you walk every day in this neighborhood and I'm like yeah so amazing so yeah. I wanna so I'm, I'm so excited to hear about your classes and how you came up with asphalt anthropology
0: well, I, I, and I love that you started out talking about you know, situational awareness and being around, aware of your surroundings, because we've all heard that, right? And we've all been told that. And this class is about giving you the skills to do that, but at the same time, knowing specifically what to look for. Because if we're just aware of our surroundings, then we're constantly looking over our shoulder, thinking everyone's out to get us at any given moment. And there's zero quality of life there, and so um, it sounds like I've read some of the stuff you've written. It sounds like we're kindred spirits, and we know, love to right? explore the city. Uh, we love to get out, and we want to, we want to, um, you know, just see what the city has to offer. And sometimes, you know, it can be in areas with reputations of being sketchy. And for me, once you start to explore them, you find people who are wonderful, delightful, and um, you know, if you know the things to look for. As opposed to just like these big scary news stories that you hear, you know, about certain areas or the metro or those kinds of things. So it's really about separating kind of like the myth of, of fear um, and, and looking for specific things. And that's what we go over in class. Um, like, what are the specific things, how to do a threat assessment of a place, how to do a threat assessment of a person, um, how to do a threat assessment of a situation. Um, and we break down in this class, you know, different kinds of violence. And so when we hear on the news, you know, oh, there was a shooting or oh, this thing happened. There's not always a lot of detail. But if you think about it, um, you know, the old cliche of uh, the folks, uh, the, the Alaskans or Eskimos uh, have all these ways to talk about snow, um, you know, and so they're, they're, they can really talk about it in very intelligent ways. But we don't have that language yet in, in our mainstream about violence. And so we just hear violence and we panic, and, which is, on one hand is good. Like we're wired for survival. We think danger, don't go there. That's, that's great. Right, fight um, so or flight fight or flight, fight, flight, or freeze. Freeze is actually the first step in there. Um, So it's all a part of it. But when we don't have the tools or the language to talk about violence in a more robust way, um, we're just kind of left clutching our pearls and thinking, oh, those people are bad or that place is bad without any kind of real understanding. So the course itself breaks down, you know, what is social violence? What is predatory violence? What they look like? What are the telltale signs and how you can avoid and and, um, get out of those situations?
1: So I know you have a background in martial arts and Crab Magnet. Am I saying that right? I don't know. Not at all. That's
0: okay. <laughs> so, so tell me
1: about that and how you came up with this idea to start this class, because I think it's brilliant.
0: Thank you. Yeah, so I got into martial arts when I was in high school, started, I think, uh, with Taekwondo and, you know, kind of evolved over the last 30 years, have done a variety of of styles of martial arts. I've done um, a bunch of traditional Asian stuff. A bit, Krav Maga is the pronunciation. Oh, okay. um, I, I personally, yeah, personally, my favorite are boxing and I'm currently uh, in judo, which I just awesome. adore. Um, as I age, my body's liking it less and less, but I'm going to keep going till I Till I can't anymore. But um, so for me, the the martial arts aspect is something that is fun for me. Everybody has their hobbies and their interests. And that's just kind of my thing. Um, about 20 years ago, after doing martial arts for many years, it, just, it was kind of a natural progression, I think, for women um, at some point in martial arts to be asked to teach a class. It's kind of like this expectation that there's this kind of trajectory or path. And so I was like, okay, I'll teach this class and, you know, got a lesson plan and, you know, tweaked and refined it maybe for my instructor and started teaching and really enjoyed it, really enjoyed, um, you know, the doing what I love and giving that with other women and just kind of seeing you know the joy in their eyes light up in, in understanding the power that they contain in their body and what they're capable of. And so, you know, that's been 20 years, and, and and in that time, I've taught classes that focus mainly on the physical. Sure, we get into boundary setting and using your voice, but the paradigm um, about self-defense, and I've I've been involved in this as well, has always been like: if you Google self-defense, what's the image that pops up? It's going to be somebody punching somebody, right? <laughs> yeah. So I started thinking about like in a couple of years ago and there there's a, a trigger for this and I'll tell you why in a second but I started thinking wh- why did the physical become the dominant paradigm in self defense what if it was something else like the ability to do improv or the ability to be like to hone your intuition or to be more mindful. Like, what if there's these other skills that we don't talk about in the mainstream self defense world that are just as important as knowing how to, you know, punch somebody in the face? Um, and what triggered all of this kind of thinking for me was about three years ago, I started volunteering at a healthcare clinic. And at this clinic, one of the things that they do is provide abortion care services for patients. And as a, a, a um, an escort, my volunteer escort, my sole job is to be like a nice person to these patients as they have to kind of walk through a screaming crowd of oh, I people know. who are I, not I've, being very nice. Yes, <laughs> yes I've seen the, those crowds seen are crazy. Yeah.
1: I yeah. used to, um, back when I was doing um my clinicals when i was in school in 2004 about i worked at a clinic in downtown los angeles a pediatric clinic and right across from us was an abortion clinic and on saturdays it was absolutely out of control what these people were doing they were yelling at people they were screaming at them they had bloody babies nailed to crosses it uh, dolls it was ridiculous i was like oh my gosh you want these people to stop but yet you're being fired it makes no sense at all. And you're scaring them? Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. out of control. And I just, it, it, it just made me want to vomit. These people don't even realize what they're doing, you know. Yeah. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they but I They call themselves
0: I, I sidewalk hear... counselors is their, their oh point God. of view of themselves. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> um, crazy. It is. And, and, you know, you can be anti-choice and still not be a crazy person, but the people who show up exactly. um, and- T- take this kind of stand and not what you just described. They're not exactly the most stable folks. And no, so it, here I was like doing everything I would tell someone not to do in a self-defense situation right. and, you know, putting myself intentionally in this environment. And it was just like, I kind of had this like identity crisis. Like what am I doing here? Wow. It like, just makes no sense. Um, but it, it, forced me to kind of go deeper with um, studying violence, how it unfolds, what the predictable patterns of it are, because my goal is to create a safe environment. So as an escort, I'm not there to like counter protest or have a conversation or argue with anybody. It's merely like, hi, how are you? Welcome. Let's just kind of keep walking and, and go to the door. And so it just really forced me on this journey um, to kind of study it in a deeper violence, in a deeper way. Cause the answer is clearly not to get into a fist fight with someone in that situation. Um, because then it takes the focus off the patient's needs. I go to jail, they go to jail. And right. that's just like, not, <laughs> not the result anyone's looking for. Um, so it forced, again, it forced me on this journey and I, there's a few books I had read in the past that were very valuable, um, including the gift of fear by Gavin. Yes. Decker. Excellent. Isn't that great? Book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he then on, uh, uh, I remember he was on Oprah and I bought the book.
1: So many years yes. ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's hit the news lately with um, the whole Jeff Bezos situation where he was getting, Bezos was getting blackmailed by. Really? Yeah. This was uh, about a, Two months ago, Jeff Bezos was getting blackmailed with like pictures of him cheating on his wife, and like wow. the Becker was like his like um consultant on all this, so he kind of made the news again in, in that way. But anyway, so so looking at the Becker, looking at a gentleman who actually became a mentor for me named Rory Miller, who is a um, retired corrections officer, and um, his world of dealing with violence is, is in prisons, and so what better for lack of a better word um laboratory to study and understand and see how violence dynamics play out and what those predictable patterns are it's a little harder for you and me like i i'm just like a mild-mannered mba you know person by day with my Mm -hmm. desk job you know what i mean right and so you know with you know we don't get to see these things as as um Uh, crystal clearly laid out as as Rory did in his situation and uh, in his work. And so he wrote some books that just like were very, um, just spelled out so much for me and what I was wanting to learn um, and to just be a better escort and to provide a a peaceful, as peaceful as possible environment for patients. So one thing led to another. I went to one of Rory's, read his books, went to a workshop, went to another workshop um, and I just took him on, I declared him my mentor, because that's what we yeah. as women have to do, right? <laughs> yeah. I have many, yes. <laughs> and so he invited me, actually, before that, he had invited me to get certified to teach one of his classes, um, Conflict Communications, um, which is what one of his books, the course is based on one of his books, and um, I was like, okay, cool, I'm totally doing this, um, because again, it's it's like violence in, in kind of from that perspective of law enforcement, corrections, military, kind of that real macho world. Right. But I, I, I was reading it and I see, I saw applications to like work dynamics or Mm -hmm. like just street dynamics. Like it just like the principles are the same. It's just maybe not as like crystal clear, you know, when you're at work and there, you see all that political nonsense going on. So anyway, so I, 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 went through the process of getting certified and then when I got to the end I was like okay nobody's going to come to a three-hour course called conflict communication at least at least not the audience I wanted to reach it's what he teaches is very big in the law enforcement and martial arts world Um, but I wanted to reach with this class everyday people like mm-hmm. like what skills do you need to know if you're going to walk from your house to the metro and then from your metro to your office and then go to the gym later and just like just living your life like what are right. those skills and I wanted to reach people who would most likely never set foot into a martial arts or self-defense school because they have just as much right to a uh, peaceful life and safety and security and peace of mind without paranoia
1: Mm -hmm. As someone
0: who likes to train, and so that so I took what he wrote and then kind of Frankensteined it with some other things and my own perspective, and created asphalt anthropology. Yeah, brilliant! I
1: love it. (laughs) So, in your class, you teach it to everyday people. Um, I mean, who do you see taking your class now? Uh, Mostly people Uh, living
0: in downtown, riding the metro. Yeah. So I start. I, I teach downtown and it's people who um, have either lived there a long time and they're seeing the increase in, um, in violence and the increase in, in things happening outside their door and they're frustrated. Um, I'm also having people in class who are maybe new to the area or new to urban environments altogether, mm-hmm. who this is just a giant culture shock. And so we have a come to Jesus moment where it's just like, you know, we o- I open up the class with, you know, we always hear this idea of violence never solved anything. Well, we need to erase that myth from our lingo because that gets us into more trouble if we believe that. Um, I'm not saying go out and do violence, but we have to get inside the way a person who's willing to use violence, if you get in their mind and understand how they think, right. the scales just fall away and it all makes sense. So we do ourselves a disservice when we think, you know, when we just make them, when we add morality to it, like, this is more from just a, like, practical, what are the behaviors, what's the things that are happening, so you can avoid, you know, getting entangled yourself. Um, So it's, it's, it's. You know, people who are new to the environment, again, or others who've been around for a while. Um, I've been teaching more and more with more uh, organizations. So at first, it was just public classes that anybody could come to, and I still do those. Um, but I've been, um, what was it, the students at Sedem? I went and taught a class for them. I've taught classes for, you know, with some corporate clients as well. Um, there's a tour guide association in Los Angeles, and I customized a class for them um, to help them communicate things to their clients and things, uh, or, or tourists, I should say. Um, so it's been a really fun journey to work with mm-hmm. different groups and kind of like look at Like, the principles are always the same, but then kind of, like, sit with them and work, you know, on their specific issues. Like, okay, how do these principles apply? And then they figure it out. You know, it's like they're smart enough to figure it out, um, how to understand, how to apply these principles.
1: Right. And I think it's great. Going through the article, what I saw is, like – You pointed out that women always want to be nice to people, you know, because that's why we're great and we have to be nice. If somebody comes up to us and you're, oh, I have to be nice. And that's what gets women murdered, right? (laughs) A lot of the time. I mean, being too nice sometimes. So what are some tactics that you teach in your class about that? Like how to assess? I mean, you went over like threat assessment, place, person, and situation. Like, can you go over some tips that you would usually give or teach in your class?
0: So let's, let's do a little more myth busting here. Um, You mentioned, uh, I talked about threat assessment of a person. So um, we talk, it's really easy to look at the news and be horrified and think I'm going to walk out my door and get murdered. Um, But the fact (laughs) of the matter is that women are more in danger by if they get involved with the wrong person, right? You're more likely, a woman's more likely to get murdered by her partner um, seven out of 10 people who are sexually assaulted know at some level that person, whether it's a slight acquaintance or someone that they know well. And so, you know, let's get really real about that, that, you know, the, and there are red flags to, to folks, you know, if you're involved mm-hmm. with someone who has a violent past, who always trashes their ex, who everything is that ex's fault, um, right. you know, that kind of thing. So if you, if you're involved with someone and you see that violence is okay for them, then, um, you know, that's, a, those are huge red flags. And, you know, that, that's like the low hanging fruit. Like if you can manage like your relationships with your significant others so that you're not involved with a violent person, that's going to get you like nine tenths of the way there. Um, but let's talk about uh, more kind of out environmental and public spaces. Um, because that's what everybody wants to talk about, but I always have to just throw that in there. It's like, let's get real. It's like, it, yeah. homes are more dangerous for women. Right.
1: Um, and, and, um, I'm just going to add this story that's in the media right now about Ashton Kutcher. I don't know if you heard yeah. that one, which um, it is very interesting because a serial killer who killed this woman that Ashton Kutcher was dating back in yeah. 2001, this man was um, the neighbor of these women that he killed and he was watching right. them, which I thought was very right. interesting. And, and yeah, I mean, we, so- we tend to trust our neighbors, but then again, I'm sure he so- showed some signs of just being weird. I, you know, I, I don't know, but, or well, very that, personable.
0: That's a really good point to kind of bring back to like the whole being nice thing. So I don't know, clearly I wasn't there and I don't know the ins and outs of that relationship, but a a predator, especially someone like that, what they really rely on for women is the idea of that. We're going to be nice, that we're going to do the socially acceptable thing. So they'll keep pressing boundaries and they'll keep creeping past boundaries and they'll keep creeping past boundaries so that when, um, they're enclosing, they have the opportunity then, whether it's physically close or they're, they have you alone. And so always look for those clues, always be mindful of them. So one example, this happened many years ago. Um, I, there was, I was relatively new to an apartment building and there was a guy go so out of my balcony and he would, we would, he would wave and say hello when he'd go to his car and that kind of thing. Well, one day um, he showed up at my door and he just knocked on my door. And I thought that was a little strange, but I let him in and we were just chatting and there was, I I can't tell you what the behaviors were, but it was just that kind of gut instinct that, you know, something's not right here. And so I said, Hey, I'm going to go get this thing out of the other room. You stay right here. I'll be right back. Like I was really explicit in my language Mm -hmm. to him Mm -hmm. and I go in the other room and the next thing I hear is my Labrador retriever who like never met anyone she hated. She was like the most friendly dog in the world. The next thing I hear is I'm in the other room. I hear raw, 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 wow. like bloody murder, and I come running out. and She's between me, my the doorway and this guy, and she was losing her shit. Wow. And sorry, I'm gonna make your engineer. No, face, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know what? I, Everybody
1: is free to be themselves on this show. Okay, we do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, um, so here's the thing so, my beautiful, beautiful, wonderful dog. What, like I picked on, up on something and then my dog picked up on something. And then after that interaction, I was like, Hey, I was, I was really nice. I was like, Hey dude, I think you should probably leave. And he left. Well, that dude never came back to my apartment again, right. as you might guess, because he, he, you know, I denied some of the, the hairs that went up in the back of my head. Fortunately my dog was there and had my back dogs are the girl's best friend Right. <laughs> you know um and so you know it, it prevented something from getting worse so there there are always so many like red flags that we because we're conditioned to be nice and to be kind that we think oh i'm the bad guy here for thinking that about mm-hmm. that person and you know you can totally give yourself permission to listen to that intuition it's like we have this um battle going on between our intuition and that need to be nice now i'm not saying walk around and be a jerk to everybody but your intuition is a part of what has you survive it's what what it's what has human beings be here um if you look at us as just a strictly animal perspective we don't have the longest claws we don't run the fastest we you know we couldn't take on a cheetah in a fight they would win so what has us you know be where we are and survive is our intuition, our our brain, our ability to act on it. So don't throw those things out in favor of, oh, he won't like me. He'll think I'm mean. Oh, exactly. And I totally agree with you. I have been studying intuition
1: for a long, long time and I've done several different practices and I always try to check in with my body. You know, I kind of Take a second, and I stop. Okay, how am I feeling about this situation? Why are the hairs standing up on my head? Do it? Does this not? Does this area not feel safe in in this section? Is this person? Why? Why are they creeping me out? Like, let me let me look at this situation. And I also, you know, teach storytelling classes, and I could see even in people's words or in people's text messages that they send me, I'm like, wait a minute, this this is weird. Even in an emoji, it's just my intuition. Um, how I can oh, yeah. read this energy that's coming through, and yeah. um, and I think people don't understand energy or how it works, but it's it's, it's very real. It's very interesting, and it's all about checking being, um, being connected with yourself and checking in. You know, that has a part to do with it. It also has a part to do with um, your experiences in the areas, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, as well. Because a lot of people will project their fears onto you like, oh, don't go here because this happened to me. Okay, well, thank you for your awareness and I'll be more aware. That kind of helps me uh, if I have to go into that situation to be aware of that. Not that it's going to happen, but it's just I'm aware of those surroundings.
0: Ex- right, and those 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 are the potential things that could happen, and what to look out for. So that's valuable information, mm-hmm. and then you can you can choose to go forth or not. Which I, you know, it sounds like we're again kindred spirits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah, yeah. Go forth. but you know, you go in with your eyes wide open. And you know, I remember when I first came to LA, and I was exploring, and I was downtown, and I was having a good time, and then I suddenly wandered towards Skid Row and mm-hmm. I was like it, "This is like almost 10 years ago now and I was like holy shit it looked like a zombie movie and yeah. I just turned around and got out because it's like what do I have to prove to like walk around there there's plenty of mm-hmm. other places I can explore I, It's a little different now I teach classes in Skid Row so I, I am there more often um, but I've got a bit more information and, I, and right. I work with folks so I know kind of who's who and what's what so yeah like never like Again, a lot of what I teach comes from that urban explorer kind of fun thing. But, like, don't be stupid either. Like, just don't be stupid. Exactly. My
1: friend – I I used to visit a friend who had a loft right – on San Pedro Street, about a block away from the mission. And Mm -hmm. she had to learn street smarts. I mean, she knew where the P lines were. And she's like, got to to jump over the P line. She knew what areas to go in to where we could walk and be safe if we were going to the bars and what time we needed to take a lift home. I mean, she was so like on point, you know, and she'd know um, she'd, she'd watch body language. She'd watch, um, I sit, you know, um, just, Uh, she'd make eye contact, you know, she would, she would just know and she would know where the cops were and she was very well versed and she was this little thing, you know, and she's the Metro. And so I was just amazed on how street smart she had gotten living down there. And, and yeah. that she loved living down there, you know, and she loved her loft and all the places that she could go. Um, but she was also very, very street smart. I mean, um, and and she would tell me like, oh, yeah, I saw these people having sex across the street uh, from where I live. And I just, you know, had to just be like, OK, and acknowledge it and, and go up right. to my place And, um, but yeah, very interesting. I myself grew up going to downtown. I'm uh, a local native Los Angelino. And my mother, um, like I said to you in the email, was a seamstress. So we had to go down to the uh, fashion district, 8th and 9th Street all the time to shop. And my mom knew. I mean, here she's this uh, little Italian lady, but she was very, very street smart. And she had been going to downtown for many years, ever since she was 21 years old, working in the fashion district, you know, Um, and she'd have to take the bus, but she was so street smart. She knew where to park. She knew, she knew the parking guy would watch her car and he'd be safe and how, you know, how much everything costs and where to walk. And she would teach us that also and to watch certain people, not to be afraid, but to be smart, you know, and we would travel because we traveled to Italy and my mom would be very savvy and she would sew, Uh, little pockets into my dad's pants so that he could keep his passport and his money Um, You know, and avoid the pickpocketers and stuff. And we never had bags on us when we would walk back in the day um, or any jewelry on us and stuff like that. So, yeah, very, very interesting. Just not to bring attention to us. And I remember once my dad actually almost got pickpocketed because he was trying to be nice to this lady because she had three Ah. kids with her. And he's like, oh, I feel so bad. And he kind of was behind us and he had a video camera and she just went right into his pants and he grabbed her hand hands, you know, and, um, he was like, see, it's a good thing. I have my little, you know, um,
0: <laughs> pocket." your mom took care of it. Yeah. But yeah. See, that that points to what we we're just saying of, in terms of like, she was playing on his good nature of right. like, of, and of course, who's going to not have compassion for exactly. someone with, with three kids. And it's like, you know, can you balance that with understanding like the dynamic, but something you said earlier really struck me, which is, to, you talked about your mom. And you talked about your friend who lived on San Pedro. They're both female, and they're both brothers, sound small in stature, yeah. and yet they knew like how to take care of themselves. And and it kind of goes back to what we we're saying earlier about you know this paradigm of self-defense, like why is it that the rock and sock I'm going to punch you like is the dominant paradigm. And so, you know, there's so much wisdom in your friend in your mom and in, in your experiences mm-hmm. that, you know, those are the conversations that it's time to bring those forward because, right. you know, as much as I love, you know, training physically and there's so much value in someone taking the physical training, both to prevent and also to heal tons of value there there's, there's, there's all that gray area that leads up to a, a, a violent act that like, why are we tolerating all that gray area? Right. You know, that's making our right. life miserable. We're living in fear We're mm-hmm. you know, maybe enduring some harassment that, you know, we, we could not endure. So it's, there's this whole kind of, um, different perspective that I'm really wanting to bring to the self-defense mm-hmm. it's happening in the self-defense world I haven't seen it happening in the mainstream I think the mainstream person thinks of self-defense is that I'm just going to punch you and mm-hmm. you know the folks in the industry are like really bringing new um new perspectives to that and I'm working to bring that to the more mainstream
1: Well, I think that's a great perspective because now even in in the hospital setting, there's been a lot of violence too. And there's all these laws that uh, states are trying to pass so that healthcare workers are protected uh, because now a patient can go ahead and assault you and it's okay. They don't get, um, nothing happens to them. You know, they're like, oh, well, they're a patient. You know, meanwhile, like one nurse in New Orleans, I believe, um, got assaulted Uh, In the psych ward. uh, And I think a couple days later, because of her injuries, she ended up dying. Um, She had some kind of. Oh, my God. So it was really yeah. um, sad. So so this is a lot of to talk, too, and just to be aware if your patient is going to be violent. And I know, again, as nurses, um, as healthcare providers, we always want, we have that compassion for our patients. Oh, well, you know, it's not their fault, this and that, but it, you still have to be aware and you still have to be smart. I mean, I've been in, situ- I was in a situation a couple months ago where um, I was in South Central <laughs> And um, someone, a a family member started to get violent. I think she had mental health issues and she started to verbally abuse and um, attack my medical assistant. And she even Mm. chased her into our office, which is the private area. And so I had to get up and I had to go talk to her and have a different um I have different tones I don't know if you teach that in your class um where I I have my like sweet tone when I'm talking to my pediatric patients but then if I am being assaulted I will get my like you say your bubble and I get my bigger self and I'm like excuse me what's going on here to where the person will back down you know I'm not like oh are you okay you know because that's not gonna work um and so she kind of backed down and I told her you know and I, I threatened her and I said you will not be seen if you are threatening us you know, this yeah. and we did have, um, we had security there. Um, she got upset. I went ahead and called one of the administrators out who is not a healthcare professional. She's just an administrator. She was the assistant to the CMO. She came out and she made me see this person. I was like, no, she's violent. You know, like, and so yeah. she came in with me and we saw her. And then she just started off with all these other weird things. And I kept saying, you know, something's not right here and she was listening to me. She was thinking, oh, well, she's a patient. We need to see her and her kid. It turns out that that parent didn't even have um, custody of his child, so we shouldn't have been seeing her in the first place. There's Ah. always like other issues. Yeah, so it was kind of like, "Eh." you know, and in healthcare, it's always nice when people have your back and kind of will go with what you're saying instead of forcing you to do something that you do not agree with. You know, I'm just like,
0: it's all well, good for you that. for like really setting that boundary because you knew the history, you knew what was, what was capable. Right. And it, this is not at all to, um, you know, with, with the folks who are mentally ill, if they're in the throes of something, they're unpredictable right? and that's dangerous. And so, and that's not to say that, you know, mentally ill equals dangerous. And, and no, I have no, folks that absolutely I love to not. Yeah. Deal with stuff. But it's like, if they're in the throes of something, they're unpredictable. And so what you did was you overrode, you know, that kind of social expectation. And to your point, yeah, especially the nurse, like every nurse I've ever met is like the most kind and like, yeah, everything off their back for you. It's just in your nature. And so that's, I've never thought of it this way, but it's like, that's such a population of people that really have that tension. Like you're really kind and loving and then yeah. like you you're on on the front battle lines and right and i think that's where the problem is with all of this it's like just really teaching
1: to and i, I think a lot of nurses don't know you know because then they're they're afraid that this patient is now going to go report that you know mm. um so it, it's all about administration really backing them up if something like this has to happen because with me i wasn't backed up you know i got okay, threatened yeah. by. i'm gonna call your cma i'm gonna call the um, the director, doctor, whoever his name was, in, and, and I have to call him saying that you're refusing to now see this patient. So now I'm the yeah. bad guy. And I was like, no, she's not safe. Something's not right. You're not listening to me. You know, so it really yeah. helps to have everybody on board and to back everybody up because I, you know, and I, I kept telling her, I go, I don't say things just because I don't want to do them. I'm saying they're, right. they're the there's a purpose or something wrong, you know, right? but- yeah, but well, I, I, you know, some, some, like I don't know, it needs to be taught in either nursing schools how to kind of assess these situations, you know, as well. Like well, with something you said,
0: what something you said, I'm, I'm going to cough really quick. So hang on a Go, No, it's okay. You can cough. <laughs> <laughs> Battling that head cold. No worries. Um, something you said a moment ago about that story and how you, the tactics you used were brilliant because you talked about you know, using your voice in, in, different ways. And so there's like, if you think of it as this like, you know, um, line and it's like on one hand you're super sugary sweet. And on the other hand, you're like this raging savage. Like you've got all these tools in between and all these tones and all these words and all these like pitch and rate. And like, you can like play with that and like just recognize if the patient is in a certain place, this, tone and um, pitch and rate may not be appropriate. I may right. not want to go to raging, raging person yet. Um, right. Rage. I don't mean anger, but I just mean that, that kind of like, ah, this is not happening.
1: Yeah. Um, it's it's <laughs> more like being like, um, what is it? Uh, authoritative, I guess yeah. is a yeah. more professional way of saying it, you know, like, hi, hey. you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so
0: back to Rory, who I'm just going to steal yeah, from yeah. him. He has, he has this great analogy of something called plastic mind. And this is a really great physical drill, but it also um, is wonderful for, um, for, for problem solving in general. And the idea of you don't have to always be you when you're solving a problem. And the example is if, if someone's in the military and they're having a hard time, you can either be the drill sergeant and yell at them and make them do 100 push push-ups or you could be the chaplain and be like, Hey dude, what's going on? We need to talk. And there's, you know, so you as a nurse, like, okay, I need to put on my, my literal nurse's hat right now and just Mm -hmm. like get, you know, talk to you and and figure things out. Or maybe I need to put on a reporter hat and ask a lot of questions, or maybe I need to put on my wonder woman hat or lasso (laughs) and, you know, really, really be strong and clear in those boundaries. So it's, you know, if you can kind of, you know, for a nurse, if you can kind of come up with like different scenarios that you might bump into, you know, depending on what the context is, like, okay, I definitely need my my kind, loving nurse. I also need my maybe my nurse Ratchet. Sorry to right, bring right. up a stereotype yeah, I there. Hear
1: you. Yeah. You know? Nurse Ratchet <laughs> you know, like, is not a she's not a bad person. I mean, um yeah, that's a yeah. whole other episodes. Yeah. You know, and she, she's not a bad person. I mean, people were messing around and she, she I, I mean, they, they were rocking her world. I mean, they were messing up her her world. She's like, Whoa, wait a minute. Let's remember who the boss is here, you know? Good, um, ah, so, good point. So, so that's, I, I mean, she gets a bad rap. I, I want to do a yeah. whole episode um, on just really uh, dissecting her character, which I, I don't think, I rewatched the movie recently. I don't think she's a bad person. She's keeping
0: uh She's keeping
1: order in a mental asylum in a mental hospital. I mean, <laughs> I need
0: to go back and rewatch it now after yeah. this conversation because I, yeah, because she, she definitely gets the bad rap. But see, isn't that what we do to women who like, like draw a boundary and they're bitches or they're this or right. they're that? They're the and So, yeah. yeah, they're the villain. And so, um, you know, if, if you are a nurse or if you're whatever you are and you just, you know, you have maybe an issue with a kid or a patient or a, a person at work. It's like, okay, I need to put on my, I, I need to be the priest now and go you know, yeah. confessional or the reporter and ask questions and just kind of play with that and have some of those ready and available for you and be able to step outside. Like, Oh, I could never be that firm with a patient. Well, then mm-hmm. don't be you. Then be someone don't be, who can, can do it.
1: Right. Right. And it, and it's tough. I want you to go ahead and talk about, a little bit about body language and maybe personal bubbles on what you and and assessing, um, just people when you're going down the street. Um, I know, like I said, when I was uh, working in South central recently, I would go on my, um, midday walks. I'd have an hour lunch break and I'd go for a walk and I had my routines. When I was walking in one section of South central, um, and it was going towards Los Angeles. I felt very, very safe. There were a lot of people there that I would have to you know, look at, see what's going on. Sometimes there was farmer's market, and it was really nice. And I had my routine of where I would go. My staff was like, you should try walking on the other side. So I would walk the other side because there was a Starbucks um, up a few blocks up. However, I felt very, very unsafe. I mean, there were a lot of more vacant buildings, a lot of more shady, sketchy characters, you know uh, not very populated. So I just got a weird vibe. I did it once and I was like, okay, this is not my walk. So I need to, you know, I'm uh, the reason why I'm walking is I'm trying to clear my head. I'm trying to relax. I'm trying to, you know, get a different environment. I have my friend at the restaurant that I go see every day. And it's just a routine that I have, um, as part of my day, but just talk a little bit about personal bubbles, body language um, and stuff that you teach in class what to be aware of
0: yeah, so um in terms of body language um there we we go through <clears throat> things that a bad guy looks for, so a bad guy is always um a bad guy doesn't want to get hurt either. You know, they're going to take someone on because they feel like they can. Um, And so if someone sends a clue that, you know, if if they're afraid to make eye contact, if they're hunched over, if they're walking, you know, unconfidently, that looks like an easy mark to a bad guy. Um, So if you can disrupt that script and, you know, a question I get very frequently is people want to know, should I make eye contact or not? And Mm. the answer to that as always, it just depends on the context. There's no, like, I can't write your prescription and that's the way it is. It depends on the context. Now, if you, if someone is targeting you and you're afraid to make eye contact, um, well, I'll, let me back up for a second. If you don't make eye contact and we usually don't because it's like, Oh, then that's going to work. That means there's a connection that draws them in So I totally get the not making eye contact, but then a place where it's appropriate is if someone's targeting you and if you are afraid to make eye contact, you just look even weaker to them um, and something that they can take. And you can make eye contact and you can do it. Remember, we talked about that kind of range of vocal tones before. There's like yes. this whole range that you can play with. And, you know, sometimes someone, I feel like I'm being targeted and I just look them in the eye and be like, oh, hey, what's up? And just yeah. like, you know, super friendly. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's a little more like, hey, what's up? Yeah. You know, and like, like the pitch changes a little bit. And, you know, you can play with that along, you know, whatever. So you don't have to come across as like being overly fearful or overly aggressive, but just making that eye contact to be like, oh, hey, I see you. What's up? Mm-hmm. And I see you and you see me and <laughs> we all know what's going on here kind of thing. Um, So that's a big question I get um, in terms of uh, body language and behavior. Um, and then... A thing that I do after one of after my classes is I give everybody a bingo card, and it has all these behavioral things that we talk about in class regarding threat assessment and and you know bad guy behavior and that kind of thing. And so, um, only the first five people who sign up get to go because it makes more sense if, if it's a smaller thing. So, but everybody gets the card. And um, what we do, what everyone's told is, okay, now go forth and think like a bad guy think about who, if you wanted to steal something from someone, if you wanted to steal their bag or their car or their watch, who would you steal from and why? What are the things that they're doing? And so it's it's way, like I can sit here and check down the, like, you know, uh, shuffling their feet, head down, you know, all that. But And, and that's kind of helpful. But then when you see it in somebody else and you're like, holy smokes, that person is like a walking target, it gets mm-hmm. more in the students, like, body. They're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Right. Um, and so that's it because the game. It makes I, I, them,
1: you're making them aware of what's going on. Yeah. Because nowadays, yeah. so many people are on their phone; they're just walking yeah. around like this, like with their their literally their phone in front of their head or their head down. They're not aware of their surroundings. I see kids yeah. doing this all the time, which really irritates me. I just want to. Anytime I see a kid uh, looking at a video as they're walking, I want to take the video yeah. and just slam it. I'm like, no, you need to be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, you know. And, um, yep. and and it, and it's, we need to teach our kids this, especially. I mean, kids these days don't even know their telephone numbers, their parents' telephone numbers, or their addresses. You know, right. I, I I I'm always like, I'm going to give the next kid that knows my question a hundred bucks. And, Nobody nobody knows coming in. I mean, now, if they listen to my podcast and I come into clinic, they're like, I know my mom's cell Oh, I know. But the <laughs> <Game seven>, system. <laughs> seven, eight, nine, they don't know. Yeah. I mean, when we were in school, I remember five years old, we had to know where we lived and our, our parents' numbers, you know. Yeah.
0: Now they don't know. Well, and I'm
1: like, what's going to te- happen?
0: Well, <laughs> and technology has changed, and I don't know right. what the answer is other than like, you're right. You know, you see people walking around and, and you asked about the bubble, like our bubbles are getting smaller and smaller because it's like, I can walk down the phone or walk down the street with my phone and be on Facebook or Instagram. And, and I'm in my personal world with my friends, mm-hmm. but I'm forgetting that I'm actually in public. Right. If I, if I think I'm in my personal world, cause I'm looking and interacting with my friends, that's not the same of doing that in my living room. Or even in my office where it's like a relatively like, you know, even if it's a, well, we'll just stick with home. It's like your private personal space. And so you would never expect someone in your home as you're looking at your phone to come up and snatch it or knock you in the head or push you over. But the truth of the matter is just because you've made the public space personal doesn't make it personal. You are walking around. It's like walking around with your bathrobe and (laughs) <laughs> half open walking down the strange, street. You know. And it's like, you know, it's just it, it, there's there's a, there's a price to pay for that. Um, you know, we can, I, I, I kind of try to avoid the whole like, don't shake my finger, don't do that. Because I don't think it's effective. But it's like, and we and we dissect in the class we dissect videos and we look at behaviors that people um the bad guys are doing that predicts the violence that's about to happen and you know when people whether and some people are on their phone some people are not but whether you're on your phone or not they're in this like their own world and like mm-hmm. who, who among us isn't walking down the street like thinking about you know our our Uh, grocery list and that email you have to return and that project that's due tomorrow. Like those are distractions that have our bubble be really small as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, and and of course we're not going to always, it's it's really a practice of mindfulness as you're out and about, and we're not going to get there at a hundred percent of the time, but you can do it. Like if you do it the majority of the time, that's a lot of progress. So as you're walking down the street, you know, you're, it's not like, okay, I'm just, focusing on the four or five or whatever Mm -hmm. feet around me it's like what's happening halfway down the block that person is flipping out Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: I don't think I want to walk by that person you know you can see those things well ahead and we see videos we dissect videos where people literally walk into shit shows Mm -hmm. um, because they didn't see it until they're on it
1: Right. And those are all great points that you bring up. And like I said, I love, love, love the class. Um, as we wrap up here, any um, points that you want to bring up, any tips, um, anything that we miss? I mean, we covered a lot, which is awesome. And I would love to take your class one day. And I'm sure our listeners would like to take your class. And I'm going to go ahead and leave a link. Um, and can you tell us like where to find you?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, my, uh, the name of the, the business is called Metropolitan Finishing School. The idea of Love these that. are the things you need to know for living in the city. So Asphalt Anthropology is my kind of introductory course. Um, it's an hour and a half. And um, it's, it's, I give information, but there's a lot of discussion. We, we, do, we do analyze the videos. Um, and then I have um, some follow-up programs that you, um, you can do something called Sidewalk Sociology with me where we kind of do mm-hmm. a walkabout which is a lot of fun. Um, and then I'll also have a nine week fitness and physical class where we kind of expand on the concepts of asphalt, but we like, we have nine weeks to like dive in deep. Um, I'm on Instagram where I do tips about like kind of street dodges and how to avoid awesome. nonsense. Um, and what else? And I don't do Facebook. I'm not a Facebook person. So that's yeah, like the last Facebook, place you'll find me. Yeah. Facebook
1: is kind of going by the wayside. I think Instagram is it now a little bit of Twitter. Yes but uh, awesome and i will add those links thank you so much for talking to us beverly this was a lot of fun and yeah, yeah that's awesome and again um her links will be at the end of our podcast and thank you for listening everyone can i, can I say one more sure, thing one thing, more thing ahead. which
0: Which is, we talked about a lot of hard, scary things, but the, the truth of the matter is the more you pay attention, you realize it's not as scary as you think. When you start playing that game of who's the target or even who's the bad guy, you you realize most people don't even care about you. And it's like, you can just go about your life. So there's a lot of freedom in this perspective. So it's not about like being scared and walking around. So I just want to throw that last part in. Yeah,
1: no, it, I totally, totally agree with you. Like I said, when I've walked out, of my buildings in south central and east la people were like you're going for a walk you're going for a walk here i mean i worked with a physician and she was new to the area she was new to los angeles and i go oh hey so i'm going for a walk she goes what you're going for a walk and i'm like yeah they're like it's just Oh, I would never go for a walk. I mean, there's so many beautiful things to see. You're missing Uh, out
0: if you're scared. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's it's just like, there's so many amazing, I mean, the culture is so awesome. Everybody says there's no culture in Los Angeles. That's a lie. There's so much interesting culture. I mean, and and it's just like the things that you see, the food that is cooked, the people that you see. It was so great for me because I would walk and I would see some of my little patients and they'd be like, doctora, doctora. And they'd be waving at me. so it, it I mean, So it. it it's neat. It, get, it gives you this urban feel and, and everything. Yeah. It's just different. It's a very community thing, which I think we're also losing because of social yeah. media. We're losing that sense of community. So it is a very neat sense of community. And um, as you would say, there were so many of my patients too, that I didn't bring up that would walk around with their children and, um, and uh baby carriages and stuff and strollers all the time yeah. you know these women yeah. are out there because they have no other mode of transportation either the bus or they walk a lot of my patients would point. Walk yep. several blocks to my clinic and stuff and so they they would have to know their street smarts you know and they yeah. would just be aware i mean they weren't scared they had to do they had to live their lives and stuff yeah so yeah yeah so um but awesome great points and uh, yeah don't be afraid to walk around just be aware of your surroundings like i wrote that blog uh for my other blog notoriously single girl about this is my los angeles um because one of my coworkers at another clinic was like um hey i'll take you to your car like as she didn't ask would you like a ride she's like i'm gonna take you to your car because it's not dangerous i go oh uh because it's dangerous." yeah and i'm like it's okay i walk all the time and i'm a writer and that's i love to see what's going on and i told the story about the the tap dancer guy that um, he had these tap dancing shoes and he got out and he was clicking and clacking and um and it was interesting it was very uh, and those are things you
0: miss it's uh, like those beautiful little moments of life you miss when fear fear rules the day yeah
1: right Right. Yeah. I mean, there was also um, a couple of youths being detained by my car. uh, Not that close, but across the street from where I parked. And it was like, well, look at that. Interesting. And, um, you know, they let them go. And and who knows? It's just a run-of-the-mill day. But it was very fascinating to see that day in Los Angeles and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this uh, program. This is actually our 40th episode, which is um, tons of fun. Oh, exciting. So glad you um, shared uh, what you're doing and how you're helping everybody with this, because this is so needed in our society right now. Cool. All right. Thank Thank you so much. All right. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this episode please go ahead and give us a rating, a five-star rating on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate that. Also, go ahead and throw us some bucks on Venmo. The link is at the end of this podcast. And if you need to contact us at all, you can go ahead and email us at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and come again.